This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. So you okay now? You're in the studio. Uh, I uh, am, Rick. I got a little... Don't be concerned. I have a little nagging cough. Yeah. I am a little concerned, I'll be honest with really? you. Really? Yeah. Are you concerned about me or you? Me. You? Me. <laughs> me, not you. Now, I've been assured by the CDC website. I've been assured by my doctor. And okay. The, I'm COVID negative. It's just that I got a little nagging cough. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I have been going the other direction. You are, were uh, quarantining. Right. Uh, I, you've just, I, from your Facebook. <laughs> and by the way, I, do you really think your Facebook followers really give a shit about how much fun you're having? Probably <laughs> not. I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> because it's your life is just, oh my God, he's doing this. And I'm, I'm sitting in the basement. I'm looking, and people are texting me going, you know, your partner's not, you know, yeah. who's in the office? Right. I yeah. know you're sick. Who's in your right. office? I'm like, no. Well, hey, that's just how it is. But I, you know, I've kind of taken on uh, live music as my thing now. Mm-hmm. And I go to see live music wherever mm-hmm. I can. And this past weekend, we went to see Marshall Crenshaw live, live, in, in Berwyn. Yeah, yeah. I love him. I love Marshall. And, you know, we're, we met him. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, way back in the day at WPGU mm-hmm. in Champaign-Urbana. Now, it was over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we go to the show. We enjoy the show. After the show, I go up and talk to him. Because he's and, just there. I mean, he. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, it was a. Uh, it was at Fitzgerald's yeah. in Berwyn, and he uh, was like loading his own car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right uh, there. Yeah. It's you know, it's not sure. exactly right. It's not Woodstock, right? But so I went up and I chatted with him, and I said, you know, we've met before. I said I met you like over thirty years ago. You came to my radio station, WPGU. He goes, oh yeah, that's right. I was shrooming. <laughs> And he rem- and it is a true story. And we have, I think we've told that story here on this podcast. I, you know, over time, I forget which ones are true and which ones are not. Cause, that is definitely you a know, true one. Yeah. Apparently, that yeah. one is a hundred percent true. I remember when he was, yeah, because he was in the lobby of the station. Yeah, I remember that vending machine, that uh-huh. the Mountain Dew vending machine. Yeah, or the, and he, I got him a pop. And I gave it to him, and his pupils, there were no, it was just, it was two big blacks, and he's like, and he even told me that, man, I'm really shrooming. I wonder if that's the only time he's ever been shrooming. Well, I, I asked him that, because that was my first yeah. question. It's like, oh, now, do you know that you were shrooming, because you were shrooming in every interview? And, and he just laughed, um, and said no, you know. So, obviously, that, that had an impact on him. And then I posted the picture on our, on my Facebook page, and the guy who did the interview, Mark Bretsch, um, said that uh, it was a true story and that he had to redo the entire interview. After the interview was over, Marshall Crenshaw said, can I come back later and redo it because oh, he was an I was shrooming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So it's a true story. I, and for those of you kids out there, Marshall Crenshaw is fantastic. He is. Yeah, I love Marshall Crenshaw. Great musician. And I hate everybody. <laughs> well, we've got a show to do, um, and we're get, uh, an entire episode of Minutia Men is up next. Mm-hmm. But first, listen to this other fine old pie show. What do you get when you hear a, a celebrity Minutia Men interview, Dave? You will get Mark Cuban and Anthony Scaramucci, Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, and the bully from the Christmas Story. Yes. The voice of Siri, and she shed Cheryl. My God. It list goes on. So you'll get Minutia, Celebrity Minutia Men Interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia, Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. 
So who are you, do you got an, what are the concerts you're going to go to this week? Do you have anything? Well, we I was going to go to see right. Lyle Lovett right. and Chris Isaac at Ravinia this weekend, but they canceled mm-hmm. it because of the shooting um, at in Highland Park, which for those of you who are not from the Chicago area is very close That's to us. 20 miles away. In fact, your family lives right, right there. Yeah. Uh, my niece and my sister live in the neighborhood you know and my niece was just gonna go to the parade because that's what they do yeah and they just didn't i don't know why they didn't go i i've been and following your niece who's also an eckhart's press author Mm -hmm. um and she uh has some heartbreaking stories about that little two-year-old that was that you know it's just i don't even want to talk about it. it's too depressing i know uh, so let's talk about other things. Let's okay, talk this, about uh, minutia. Okay, this is gonna. This is a story that is gonna really make you happy. I okay. mean, this is this is gonna get you out of your depression. Okay. okay. Owner of funeral home pleads guilty to mail fraud following accusations of illegally selling body parts. Oh, really? That's a feel good story, yeah, isn't it? That is. The operator of a funeral home in Colorado has pleaded guilty to one count of mail fraud as part of a plea agreement stemming from accusations that she and her mother. A family business. Uh-huh. Uh, legally, illegally sold body parts from hundreds of bodies <laughs> that they were instructed to cremate. Uh, Regi A. Mortis. Yeah, it's not her yeah. name. Uh, Morgan Hess, 45, entered her plea during a hearing on Tuesday, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Hess and her mother has operated Sunset Mesa Funeral. Dur- I love the name of funeral homes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know what? That is something that we should get. We should be funeral home consultants. I mean, I worked at a funeral home when I was growing up. Yeah. I parked cars. Tons of experience. We should be funeral home directors. But the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home Director in Mantra, or Directors in Montrose, Colorado, that between 2010 and 2018, over 260 bodies were dismembered and sold for body parts. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Now, you know, again, the. Dan- How much for the pancreas? Well, well hold on yeah. here. Uh, now, again, these damn woke liberals with their job killing policies, right? Yeah. These are uh-huh, just uh-huh. this is a mother and daughter. Just, you know, they've got a mail order business or whatever, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, so interesting. Job creators. They're job creators. Interestingly, it's perfectly legal. And I don't know if you know this. You probably wouldn't legal in most states to sell body parts that were donated for research or education. So if you donated your body mm-hmm. to, let's say, a gout organization <laughs> yeah, for okay. instance, uh-huh. or a pickled liver. Uh-huh. Uh, now, if you donated your, your um, body, they could then resell your body parts to like, like if it's like a broker, they can resell it. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not on board. So I did a little digging. Okay. Okay. And found a price list from company, a price list from a company. It's called, biological resources that actually sells body parts oh fantastic All right, so i want to i've got some prices here of right some, of some uh body parts um a whole leg with a foot no hip guess how much that would be i'd say a thousand 450 bucks oh that's, that's pretty cheap. cheap right yeah and all right an arm uh wait hold on here it's whole arm without shoulder Without the shoulder. Without the shoulder. Oh, boy. That's, that brings the price way down. Well, so if the leg is yeah. with with a foot All and right, no so hip, 400 bucks. It's 350 Okay. So it's 800 bucks for both. I paid $950 for tickets on StubHub for Paul McCartney. <laughs> yes. They are, those tickets are more expensive than literally an arm and a leg. All right. Now, 
I, I, um, now I know what your next question is, and I yeah. know what all of the males in our audience right now What's are thinking that? is, you know, well, how much is genitalia? Worth, oh yeah, right, yeah, sure. Yeah. I couldn't find any info on the female side of things. Okay, but on the male side of things, yeah. I've got some info for okay. the for the, um, on the male product line. Um, guess how much an African American penis is? They've got it. Uh, they they this is the, for real. Yeah. Okay. For real. <laughs> yes, it's okay. for real. All uh, right. Yeah, thankfully, <laughs> this fictitious company has categorized their inventory by uh-huh. ethnicities. Yeah. Guess how much the African-American penis? I'm going to say $700. $850. Okay. Um, Caucasian penis? Uh, $1,200. Uh, 525 yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they have a lot here listed. Oh, my God. Uh, of of right. two penises of podcast hosts who are pushing 60. What do you wow. think? Wow. Okay. So, wow. That's very specific. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. Um, so, what do you think that that's going yeah, for? Like a buck 80? 84 bucks for both. It's like a, it's a okay. bogo. It's buy All one, right. get one free. All right. Free shipping. All right. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, uh, they have been brought under the long arm of the law. And, and actually, this woman and her um, mom are going to jail for a really long period of time. Not for the selling of the body parts, because it's but it's mail fraud. Ah, so that's it's you know how Al Capone got yeah, whacked yeah. for tax evasion. Yeah, they never they get you for the, right. th- the cover up. All right, I have a story uh, that is from the New York Post, which is not a source that I usually go to, but in this case, I think you'll understand why. UK producers are scouting for, and this kind of ties into your story. Oh are scouting for well-endowed fellas. What about the jingle? Issuing a... Oh, no. I'll, I uh, saved it for the okay. end. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, issuing a <laughs> casting call for men with preternaturally large mm-hmm. things uh, for a forthcoming documentary. We'd like to speak to people about uh, their positive and negative experiences of having a large penis mm-hmm. or being with someone so, who has one. So this is what these phone calls are. <laughs> I keep getting these voice messages <laughs> The the documentary is going to be called Too Large to Love. Okay. And the the theory behind it, and this is a British uh, series, the theory behind it is a recent survey found that nearly half of the male population wish they had a bigger one. So a, a bigger penis uh, is a, is means a better life, right? right? Well, not always. Oh. So they want to get stories. Oh, I know, stories. Rick. I know. They, <laughs> thank God. I could tell yeah. you stories. <laughs> they want to get easy. stories of people who have to deal with the downside. Yeah. They no. never talk about no. the downside. No. No. And apparently there is a downside. Now, uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, people know that you're you're preternaturally gifted in this area. It's everyone knows this. It's been <laughs> around for years. News. Hashtag fake news. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna tell you about another story, and this is one you're gonna remember. Well, we talked to, uh, actually, you talked to the guy who played Meat in oh, yeah, Porky's. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was the whole concept of his character, right? right? They was, called him Meat. Right, 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 right. Because of that. There wasn't I mean, a lot that, of character arc with that guy. Right, you know, right. He goes to the urinal or he stands right, over the toilet right, and you hear a splash. Right, right. Because that's why yeah. they call him Meat. What's my motivation? <laughs> You're Meat. There is no motivation, buddy. Now, tell everybody the story of what happened when you called this guy up. So... This is early in the. This is when we were still sc- scrolling the, the really minutia 
yeah. for yeah, for yeah. Uh, guests before we became a one percenter. Sure. So I'm like, okay, let's go to Porky Porky's <laughs> and let's go with the, the cast, you uh-huh. know. And I'm like, meet. Oh, that guy would be perfect. And I, yeah. don't, I don't remember what the guy's name is. And I ended up getting his contact information and right. I called him. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, this would be great. Uh, you know, I'd be happy to do your your um, you know podcast. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, I'll send you the questions beforehand. Right. And then, which know, by like, the way, we never do it. That, that was the meet was the last time that we did it. And then he like calls me back or emails like, this is so disrespectful. I'm not going to do your show. Yeah. I'm like, dude. Your meat. The, the only role you've ever done in your career is as meat from Porky's, and I'm offending you here? What do you want us to ask you about? Ah, so anyway, if you are one of those people like Dave, who oh, has yeah. the upside and the downside, oh, yeah. they're making a, uh, a, uh, a documentary in England, and they'd like to have you be part of it. So and I wonder... I wonder how many people, you know, they're doing a casting call, an open casting call, right? right? So how many guys are going there? Yeah. And then yeah, I've like, got a problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, like, let's see it. Yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Next. No, no, we meant, we meant big. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's, uh, once again, we have given you... Penises. 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 In the news. Rick and Dave. All right. So Las Vegas Louie writes a really nice review for us okay. on, on Potable again. Uh, and here it is. Rich Little can learn something from Rick's Kermit the Frog impression. Okay. Okay. I think that these reviews, they're yeah. beginning to troll us a little bit. Yeah, a little we're, bit. We're yeah. Ins- a, but that's fine if you want to insult bit. us. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can uh, get our podcast everywhere you enjoy podcasts. And please review. Would it? Give us a review. We've got over 400 reviews. Um, some of them are a little passive aggressive, but that is totally yeah, fine. Right, that's it. fine. Yeah. Um, so you didn't finish what he said. I, about the Kermit the Frog, did you? It says Rich. No, that's all it is. Is Rich Little can learn something from Rick's Kermit oh, the Frog. Oh, I thought he was going to say why. No, no, no. no okay, no, no. Las Vegas <laughs> Louis is really mailing it in. It's, wow. It's, so for I'm the, looking for a little uh, more. No, a little more than that. Las Vegas Louis. Yeah. Well, I, well, well. If you like Minutia Men, be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can pick out your favorite new show at opishows.com, dot uh, com, and you're going to find all sorts of. Rick and Dave shows there. Mm. Uh, Opie is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows dot com. It's time for another feature. Time now for studio walls. And the words of the prophets were written on the studio walls. So this is the part of the show where we dip into the uh, Rick and Dave archives, and this week happens to be Ringo Starr's birthday. In fact, as we are 82, sitting here, right? 82 years so old. So Paul McCartney's like the little brother. Yeah. In, yeah, Paul uh, was a little bit well, younger. Harrison was the youngest. Right? Harrison was the youngest. Um, but we have never had Ringo on the show, but we did have Bill Schnee on the show, who was a record producer and record engineer who worked with Ringo. In fact, he produced or engineered over 125 gold records, 50 top 20 hits, artists like Steely Dan, Carly Simon, Michael Jackson, Marvin Gaye, and all four Beatles. And I think you can guess uh, what it is that uh, Beatle Nut Rick wanted to talk to him about. Can you guess what it was? Uh, The Beatles. It was. Let's listen to Bill Schnee talking about a very memorable recording session. Um, I thought about doing this interview chronologically, but I, I, I think we might run out of time if I do that because I have too many questions. But I want to start with the chapter that really killed me, and that is 
the stuff about the Beatles. I mean, you didn't produce or engineer a Beatles record, but you came as close as anybody has when you worked on Ringo's best album, which it featured songs by Paul, George, and John, and all three of them came into the studio to work on those songs, although not at the same time, right? Right. Well, what happened, here's how it happened, to give you a little a condensed version. Uh, Richard Perry, the great producer Richard Perry, had uh, met Ringo when he was doing Harry Nielsen in England. Harry and Ringo were good friends. And they, he, uh, Richard and Ringo kept up a conversation until they finally decided they'd make a record together. And I had done some work with Richard Perry, with Streisand and Carly Simon and whatnot. And, and he said, um, he said, we're going to do an album with Ringo. And I thought, oh, that's great. And uh, so we got started on it, and a couple of days in, uh, George flew over from England, and he listened to what we had done, and he kind of jumped in and you know overdubbed on a couple of things, and he brought a song to the table that he had actually re- recorded with Ringo in England, called Photograph, mm-hmm. that uh, that but it was decided that it was a little too somber. I mean, it, it is a sad song. The poor boy's lost his girl, and all he has is photograph. But it was the, the his version was a little too somber, so it was decided to recut it. And Richard came up with the idea of doing a Phil Spector kind of thing, Wall of Sound. And then, uh, and that so song was a number one hit, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. And so then, uh, lo and behold, on the end of the week, Richard said that. By the way, on Monday, oh, by the way, uh, John will be coming in. He has a song for Ringo too. And so on that Monday. Uh, I did record three of the Beatles. That was the first time and the only time after the breakup of the band that they ever played together, the three of them. And uh, the most interesting part to me of what went on back then is that uh, I looked at it that these guys were all giving Ringo a leg up. They knew their careers, solo careers were going to do fine. But Ringo not being the songwriter that they were maybe he needed a leg up kind of thing and paul wrote a song for ringo for the album as well but unfortunately paul couldn't come in the country because he'd had a drug bust and back right they said you can't you know they kept him out for nine months or a year or something but we'll never know what might have happened if he hadn't had that drug bust and had come over because there there well could have been a real reunion it might have changed a whole lot of things Wow. The the, the, deni- the dynamic, though, that you describe in the book about when John showed up and, you know, the, just that he kind of took charge, right? I mean, the, the other guys just listened to him like he was the boss. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting because the, those first couple of days when it, when it was just Ringo, you know, he, Ringo is Ringo. You know, it's just like what you see is what you get. He's just very affable and fun-loving and whatnot. And then uh, the quiet one, the quiet one, supposedly, uh, George wasn't so quiet, really. But, you know, he seemed to, you know, he took charge, especially on photograph. He was very uh, involved in whatnot and what went on. But when John showed up, it was a completely different dynamic. It was all eyes went to John. Uh, the, the first few minutes, I wish I wish like crazy it was on film. The first few minutes were probably the most interesting when he came in the room and and they saw each other and realized what was going to happen and whatnot. I mean, it was just a very, a very strange feeling wow. in, in a good way, but strange. And then uh, they sat down to get, he sat down to piano and got ready to do it. And all eyes went to him. And it was very obvious that uh, he was in charge. And that when he ran the show and uh, it was obvious that when he was happy with the track, that that's the one we'd have. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, the, as somebody who had seen it all up until then, it, it, I can tell that even you were kind of mesmerized by it. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I, I was mesmerized. Uh, I was mesmerized when I, I think I said in the book when I did the setup the, before the first day of recording and I saw I walked in this empty studio and all that was there was Ringo's drums, you know, and I'm looking at Ringo's drums and it may not have been the set that he played uh, on any of the Beatle records on. I don't know if it was or it wasn't, but it was still Ringo's drums. And so the whole thing was, you know, obviously a, an incredible pinch me moment for me. But that that one Monday night was just complete magic there, without question. It was just fascinating to watch, fascinating to listen to. Wow. Yeah, yeah. the whole interview is out there. If you go to Manisha Mint Celebrity Interview, it's episode number seventy nine, and it doesn't get any cooler than that. Yeah, uh, isn't yeah. that something? Well, there's, think, in fact, there's a whole story about going to George Harrison's house. Well, um, was and, that the one where they were hiding in the, yes, the catacombs? Yes, and it's, all, it's all in there. I mean, I, I, I you know, wanted to play the. I listened to the whole interview this morning just because uh, it was so interesting. You know, for, I think the dynamic of the other Beatles and John Lennon is much like the dynamic that me and you have. Is that right? When I look to you. Yeah. yeah when, when I come yes. in, all eyes are to you with the, yes, I, with your fancy equipment over here. You I are think, the boss. I think everybody knows that. I think everybody knows that. All right. Well, we still have a lot more uh, uh, information to share with people. Uh, give me a quick, uh, a quick update on what you're going to tell uh, us. Trump's girth. Okay. That's pretty good. Mine is biggest, Defeat ever. Oh. All right. That's come and has nothing to do with Trump. It has, oh, it's a soccer story. What about my Pinewood Derby? Uh, no, no. This is so. much worse. Uh, we'll also uh, have a celebrity story for you that uh, comes out of Pittsburgh, the unlikely town of Pittsburgh. All that is coming up after this. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to free kicks with adam and rick and that's on the radio misfits podcast network free kicks a tony lasano podcast opi show on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com and we're back rick knowing you you're probably you've probably studied the transcripts from every day of the january 6th here right <laughs> I, I have missed one second of it <laughs> And, you've and got, that is true. You've got Excel spreadsheets going <laughs> on and everything. I haven't missed one second of it. And what I would imagine that Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony of last week is your White Album. Yeah, right? Yes, at, at absolutely. Point, right? Absolutely. Well, to recap for our listeners that may live in less crazy countries yeah. that are listening right now, Miss mm -hmm. Hutchinson was a White Sox, or White Sox, a White House staffer. Yeah. Um, and she relayed a third-party story where Donald Trump lunged at the steering wheel of the SUV that he was riding in right? because he wanted to go to the Capitol. And right. the Secret Service says, like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Right. So the the story is is that he lunged at he the... Lunged at the steering wheel and then uh, lunged at the throat right, of, of the, the Secret of the, Service the, guys. The, the, yeah. Who said you can't do that. Right. Did that happen? I'm going to say it did because yeah. it's awesome to think about. Sure. Uh, but there there does appear to be some pushback from Secret Service personnel yes. that right. are questioning Hutchinson's account. 
one Secret Service agent who's, and they all are speaking anonymously. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. And she did tell the story under oath. Right. Yes. Uh, but but arguably it was third party. She was right. not in the SUV. Yeah. She could be telling the truth that she was told that right. story but and that may, story may, may not, not be happened. true. Right. But once this, there's a couple of service, uh, Secret Service agents who are, like I said, Going on the record, but anonymously, which really yeah, not sure. anything. But here's the, I love these quotes. I don't mean to sound disparaging to the former president, but just his girth alone would prevent him from actually getting to the steering wheel. Okay. <laughs> Another agent concurred and is quoted as saying, um, Trump is not the most agile guy around. I find it very unlikely that he could shift his body position and lean over the back of the front seat. I mean, come on, that's I can even do that, right? Your Honor, my client is clearly a fat piece of shit. There's just no chance that he could do this. <laughs> this is the best one here. Yeah. Um, another agent says he would have pulled every muscle in his back. He's not exactly Gumby. <laughs> wow. All anonymously. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, so, you know, I don't know what to it's say. It's a defense. <laughs> yeah, right. it, uh, it may not be a defense that he likes to hear. <laughs> All right. I have a story that uh, actually takes place in Sierra Leone. Oh. Um, so we're getting exotic now. The Sierra Leone Football Association, and by football they, of course, mean soccer, has launched an investigation into two first division matches that finished with the score lines of, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 91 to 1 and 95 to nothing. And they are calling them impractical results. Well, how many? There's 60 minutes in a game? Well, there's 90 minutes. Oh, 90 minutes. All right. So a game is 90 minutes long. To win 95 to nothing, you have to score more than once a minute. Yeah. Right? After each goal, you have to go back to right. the center line. Um, and just walking back and forth to the center line 90 times. Uh, and then the soccer flops. The flopping takes, a, you know, 13 seconds or yes, something. Yes, exactly. Like, well, yeah, what about fight. penalty kicks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, I'm going to say I don't believe it's true. However, there is a real story that makes me believe that it might be true. And it might go something like this. The highest uh, score of all time in a real game was 149 to nothing. And this took place in Madagascar in 2002. And what happened was one of the teams got so ticked off at the referee in protest, they kicked every ball into their own goal. So that'll show them. (laughs) That'll show that referee. (laughs) So the final score of AS Adema against SO Emerine was 149 to nothing with 149 own goals. Oh my god! So anyway, well, that's but even there, that's pretty impractical because you have to walk back to the center exactly to do exactly. Well, isn't it Will Chamberlain scored 100 points or something in a game? I know, but the difference is when you're scoring on your own goal. Yeah, the goalie just gets out of the way. Yeah, you know what sure, I mean? Sure. If you're legitimately scoring those goals, there's just no yeah. chance that that is true. Anyway, that is my story, and that is now... Although you remember when I used to play video games with you at Spaceport. And, yeah, you know, the I scores was... were similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for another feature. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where people send in their brushes with greatness. 
And, uh, you know, over the break that we took this summer, we got a whole bunch of them. And, and this is one uh, that came over the summer from Tony K. And here's how it starts. How about a celebrity story from Pittsburgh? Sure. All right. I've been going to Steelers training camp every year since I was a little kid in the late 60s. I have autographs from all the Steeler greats like Terry Bradshaw, Mean Joe Green, and Franco Harris. But when I was only 10 years old, I asked a rookie linebacker from Youngstown State for an autograph, and he said no. He said, if I make the team, I'll give you an autograph. All right. He didn't make the team, so I never got it which is too bad because it might be worth something today. The rookie's name was Ed O'Neill, and he went on to become a famous actor, Al Bundy, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. he was in Modern yeah. Family. Um, and he, I did you know that he no, played no football? Idea. No, I don't. So th- this sounded like a fake story to me, so I looked it up. He actually did try out for the 1969 uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the first year that uh, uh, Chuck Knoll was the coach. And he was a he was a defensive lineman at Youngstown State. He tried out as a linebacker. So that to me is a great yeah, story. I don't remember who I heard the story from, but Dick Buckus. Yeah, yeah everybody sure. knows Dick Buckus. Now he had a bit of an acting career, actually quite a bit. It was like Mr. Belvedere. Oh and yeah, whatever. He, yeah. And whoever was telling me the story is like, if he was in a airport. And someone like saw him as, hey, you're Dick Buck, I'm a big bear fan. He's like, okay, thanks. But if someone goes, I loved you in Mr. Bel- Belvedere, he's like, really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He's like, he totally loved being an actor more than, I mean, he took, he wow. took much more pride in his Mr. Belvedere than he did with. Um, That's a good you know, story. That's uh, Dick Buck. So if you have stories that you'd like to share with us, uh, please send them in. You know, uh, we. We're available just about anywhere, Dave. We have a well. I'm available. You're usually at some <laughs> concert or some trip I'm to somewhere. I'm working remotely, <laughs> yeah, right. or as somebody said, remotely working. <laughs> um, but yes, you can get us on Instagram, right? What's mm-hmm. what's our account there? Is Minutia Minutia Man Man official. Man. That's right. I think we're up to like one ten. <laughs> I mean, we it's are. almost embarrassing how many people love us. Bears, but of riches. Yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter, yeah, which yeah. is. At Minutia Men. At Minutia Men. All right. You can get us uh, email, podcast at gmail.com. Or you can also email us through our Eckhart's mm-hmm. Press website. Uh, you can go to my blog, rickkemford.blogspot.com. Uh, email links are there everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, no excuse for not giving us your story. And Dave says that every person in the world has at least one great celebrity story. Uh, every, everyone. Everyone. Uh, absolutely everyone. So prove it. Yeah. Send them in. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H-shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Minutiaman. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Hello, Chicago listeners. That was my best radio voice, and it obviously was a very bad one. I just want to wish the people of Chicago a safe, warm, peaceful stay at home. Please stay healthy. Please help other people stay healthy by staying home. I want to thank Tony Lasano, who produces all these amazing podcasts in Chicago, just for getting me to do this. Thank you, my friend, and stay safe, Chicago.